Welcome to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we discuss the history, facts, people, places, events, lots more surrounding Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out. It's Dennis Simpson and Mr. Randy Cantrell, my co-host. And we have, as I say many times, a special guest, but this is extremely special. We waited on this guy several months. Chief Ricky Middleton. Ricky, how are you this morning, sir? Doing good, Dennis. How are y'all? Doing great. It it is a pleasure. I tell you what, uh, when I tell people uh, what the village is like, in, in many ways, my friend, you embody what the village is because You've, you've been everywhere and you came back and stayed and you got an incredible story. I can't wait to hear the story. Well, I've been around a long time, Dennis. Been here since uh, February of 1980. That's when I started my career in the village. So it's 1980. It's, uh, 1980. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I do want to make note. You started your, your, your career, as I understand it, here in the village with a very glorious position, if I'm not mistaken. What, what, what I was did. that? I, I started in the ditches. Actually, I started <laughs> on construction with POA uh, on the construction crew, you know, putting in water and sewer. Uh, did that for about uh, five years. Uh, I was also on Jessville Volunteer Fire Department, uh, got my EMT certification. And uh, during that period of time, uh, one of the police officers, Hank Moore, he come to me and he said, we need a dispatcher. I don't know if you remember uh, back during that time, uh, the village was running the ambulance service too, yeah, yeah. the mountain ambulance service. Uh, so he, he was needing uh, EMT dispatcher. And uh, I had my EMT certification. He said, man, we need you to come up and uh, dispatch for us. And I thought, you know, that's, that's quite a change from construction. But, uh, you know, I'll give this a shot. Did you ask if it involved any heavy lifting? You know, I said, do I get a full paycheck? Because, you know, working construction, you get a lot of rain outs, you know. And I said, he said, I guarantee you, you'll never be shorted a paycheck. Indoors and no heavy lifting. Indoors, you know. And I said, okay, I'll give it a try. So I moved up here and uh, worked on the ambulance and dispatch for a couple of years. But, you know, the room room got pretty small, you know, working inside. And, uh, you know, I said, well, that's, there's got to be something better. And he said, well, have you thought about being a, a patrol officer? And I said, you know, I haven't, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to get back outside. So yeah. in 1987, uh, I moved over to the patrol division, went to the academy in Camden, and uh, that started my career as a police officer. So I've, I've got a million questions. Randy, I don't mean to hog it all. Do you have anything? No, go add? ahead. Keep going. You're good. Well, I, I want to go back to the beginning. So you started uh, as, did you come from Oklahoma or did I misunderstand? No, that? no, I was born and raised here in Arkansas. Uh, now my wife, uh, she has a family in Oklahoma and, uh, actually, uh, they were in the oil business out there and, uh, we started to move out there and I started to enroll at Tulsa school of welding because the oil industry was hot at that time and they'd kind of convinced us that's where we should be. So I actually went out there and investigated going to the Tulsa School of Welding. But uh, along about that time, the oil fields, they kind of kind of collapsed. And I said, you know, I'm not going to take that chance. So we, we decided to stay here and tough it out. And I'm, I'm glad we did. 
you know, it's been a good career here. So I'm, I'm seeing a pattern with consistency here. You, you'd like, you'd like to, you, you'd like a steady paycheck, right? I tell you what, that steady grip feels that button. You know, it really <laughs> does. So yeah, we, we, we have to be consistent, you know, and pay the bills, you know? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take a tangential note real quick, Randy. I think you've seen most of the episodes of the hot springs village POA meetings and uh, which technically are your employer, right? Right. Ricky. That's right. I, I, yeah. I work for the POA. Yeah. And, and one of the things I've seen to be very Frank, I've seen people cuss you, Ricky. I've seen people just, and I'm thinking, who are you talking? You're going to threaten the police chief. And Ricky has the most calm demeanor, like, well, why don't we just go outside and talk about that? And I'm like, where did you, is that, was that your, your family makeup? I mean, where do you get the ability to be? Well, any, anytime you deal with public, you're a public servant, you know, you, you have to wear many hats, many hats, because we deal with people at their worst. We deal with people at their best. And if you're going to be a public servant, you have to be able to deal with people of, of all backgrounds, of all cultures, and, and you really have to have a unique personality to be able to, uh, to sit down and, and talk with people because, you know, we, we have to be able to, and I, we have to be able to talk about people when they're, they're having marital issues, we have to be able to talk to people, you know, when they're having family issues. So we have to wear many, many hats. And it takes a very unique personality to, to go into someone's home and help them settle and, and deal with these problems, give them guidance, you know, and uh, that, that's very difficult. So it does take a unique personality and someone who is very understanding and very calm and cool. And there's times when you're dealing with folks that are very emotional and you have to maintain your emotion to be able to bring them back down and, and deal with them. So, yeah, it's 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 very difficult sometimes to, to maintain that uh, stature. So. I haven't, luckily, luckily, I haven't had much experience with law enforcement division on that side, (laughs) but I will tell you, I have been in court more than one time. There were times I've I've done professional testimony, you know, where I'd be a consultant and, and give professional testimony. And we were sitting in the courthouse one time and there was a gentleman, uh, a lady sitting beside me and she had two little boys. And we had a, a teleconference set up between here and the jail, which was Pulaski County. So it was just a few hundred yards, you know, uh, and to see a little four-year-old go up to the screen and go, daddy, 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 and paw at the screen where her daddy was in jail is about as heartbreaking as you can imagine. And, and I realized at that point, it really hit me right between the eyes that law enforcement, it may look tough and macho and all that, but it, it's a lot of tough moments where you're looking and going, if you've got a heart in here, you're going, man, this is, this is a hard thing to see. You know, and, and people really don't recognize sometimes the things that our guys and gals in law enforcement have to deal with. You know, people really don't understand and, and see the things that we deal with on a daily basis. And uh, that's, that's all law enforcement across the country. I mean, yeah. You know, and uh, they don't see the, the the bad things that we deal with. And, uh, you know, it's really difficult. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you meet that officer and he, he may not be as friendly as you'd like for him to be because, and it may be because he's just dealt with something that you really don't know what he's just dealt with. Yeah. So, well, and you may not want to know. You may not want right. to know. That's right. That's uh, right. And, and well, one of the things that has always crossed my mind, especially with watching you in the village, 
you know, we, I, I tell people that, you know, outside this gate is 88% of the crime rate outside this gate is 86% of the crime rate. And roughly inside the village is about 13% of the crime rate. And uh, you told me one time that uh, we have everything a big city has. We just don't have the same quantity of it. Is That's that right. Fair? That's right. We have anytime you have people, we have problems. You know, we just don't have the quantity that the other other cities have. So, you know, we see the same things that the other places have, just not the same quantity. Uh, yeah. There's no way when you have, you know, we have what, 16, 17,000 people in here. So yeah. we see the same things, uh, you know, but uh, thank goodness we don't have the quantity that the other. Yeah. Well, and, and I heard, uh, I had seen this and I, I can, I think I can put the stats together somehow, but we went 37 years without a homicide. Right. If I'm not mistaken. And that homicide, if I'm not mistaken, and I think I read this in the paper, was a, a um, elderly lady with dementia that thought her husband was having an affair and she threw an ashtray at him, gave him a concussion. He died the next day. It wasn't murder per se. It was a very, very unfortunate series of events. But, you know, that that's the things that happen in life, right? That's the things that happen in life. And, and you know, we see those occasionally. And, and thank goodness we've not had any of those things in a while. Uh, and we don't want that to occur. But anytime mm. you have people, people have problems. And, uh, you know, when you think of homicides, we think of, of those very uh, malicious, uh, horrific type things. And sometimes that's not the case. You know, you have domestic issues where things happen, bad things happen, and they don't mean for them to happen. But yet the, the final result is death, you know. So, yeah, you yeah. Know, and, uh, well, and well, tell me, we, we talked with we talked with John Paul, what, Tuesday, Randy? As we hit the record button today is what, Randy, 11, 12, three, 12, three. Yeah. As we hit the record button today. And I was just mentioning, I think this is maybe our first ever morning recording. We usually record in the afternoons, uh, but we were talking with John Paul and he had said, and this used to be under your uh, purvey was the uh, front gates or the gates, both gates. And that uh, they had had a hundred percent staff turnover at the gates in the last month. I cannot help but think that, uh, finding new police officers in the village for the village is a difficult thing too. You know, staffing right now is, is difficult anywhere in the country for any position. And uh, yes, I'm having, I'm having a very difficult time right now. Uh, I'm currently looking for three more positions, uh, you know, and, and it's a daily battle. Uh, I've spent this week interview and to find, to get people to show up for an interview, I mean, there for a while, one out of four people would even show up for it. Uh, it's it's very difficult. And then to find the qualified applicants, you know, I, I have a rule that I will not hire someone unless they meet my requirements for working in the village because I'm looking for a special type person to come in here. Uh, the people here, they deserve the best. And I'm looking for the best I can find to come in and serve these people because this community is different than any other community in the area, you know, and, and everybody in here is someone's grandma, grandpa, mother, and dad, you know, and we're going to treat them that way. Can and, you tell us what positions you're looking for right now? Uh, they're patrol positions, uh, you know, just a patrol officer. And, uh, we, we do things in here and, you know, a lot of times folks, uh, make fun of what we do, you know, like, you know, the mailboxes being run over or the water lines breaking. But those are things that folks really need, services that, that people need. And, and thank goodness we have the time, you know, to help folks with those uh, type of issues because those are real issues. 
you know, if, if your washing machine line's broken, your house is flooded, and, and the police department is the only number that you can get a live person to come help you, you know, and we come out and shut the water main off, you know, we, we've been able to divert the problem. You know, we're not going to replumb your house, but we can right. stop it from, from flooding your house. How many officers are how many officers are on your force? I have twenty one positions, but uh, right now we're short three, and and I have uh, five that are non certified. So you know that's eight non cert non certified positions that I'm down right now. I've got two in the academy that's going to graduate soon. Three more to go to the academy, but that's a thirteen week process. You know, right to leave them, get them certified. And another oh. 12 weeks of field training when they get out of the academy here at the department. So, you know, that's 25 weeks of training to get them ready to go to work on their own. So, I mean, it's a long, lengthy process. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to try and stab at a story and I don't may not have all the details and you'll have to correct me, but uh, I'm going to stab at a story that tells the difference about the POA and, and the regular municipalities and whatever. And, if I'm not mistaken, it was either 12 or 15 years ago. There was a gentleman who was an attorney who was hunting back behind Lake Lago down behind the dam and a, um, officer came up to him. I I'm, I'm trying to watch my words here. A, yeah, a, 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 an officer came up to him and said, you, you can't hunt down here. This is POA land. And he said, I'm a member of the POA. And they said, well, you know, you, you, you can't, this is trespassing. He said, no, I'm a member of the POA. You can't throw me off. And they said, well, we're going to escort you out of here. And he said, you can't cause you're not deputy in this County. And if I'm not mistaken, I think we deputized everybody in both counties really quickly. And, and I may be slaughtering this story, but you, and I'm sure you remember the instance. And my point being the village is so uniquely different that we, and, and I think you've said this before, everybody else has laws. We have rules. So can you address that and, and, and correct my history if I got it too bad? Okay. Uh, we, we're a private community. We draw our authority through the sheriffs of each county. There was a law passed in 83 that allowed the sheriffs to commission officers in the planned community. So that's how we draw our authorities through the sheriffs. So we are not a municipal police department, but each of our officers are, are commissioned through the sheriff's office. So we, we, can, we have full arrest authority. We're state certified officers. Uh, we can enforce all state laws on our private roads. The legislature has, has passed laws that allows us to do that. So we have full arrest powers. Okay. The difference now, we, we cannot enforce policy with our laws. That's, that's POAs. That's the difference between policy and law. Well, give me an example. Give me an example. If, if I've got an open fire pit out here and I'm burning something by the lake, am I breaking a law or am I breaking a policy? It depends. Okay. Every situation is unique. If, if the county judge has a burn ban in place, mm. then you may be in violation of a, a county ordinance. We would enforce the county ordinance. If there's not a burn ban in place, then it would be a POA policy. So we have to investigate each incident to see if it is a violation of law or to see if it is a violation of policy. If it's policy, then it goes to the POA. If it's a violation of ordinance or of the law, then we will handle it through the courts. So see, each incident, we have to look at it to see where it goes. So if so you take that to, scenario and it goes to the POA, then what happens? That will be up to the POA to go after them administratively. 
you know, for a violation of the POA rules. Right? Is that a compliance issue? That's a compliance issue. Okay. okay. So, yeah. well, let, let's, let's split a hair here. And I'm, I'm trying to do this for our, our fans and our, our listeners. Uh, I've got a barking dog next door and I do not, but if I did, if I have a barking dog next door that, that will not be quiet, the, the County has an ordinance about this. Is that right? They do. They do. So that, okay. would go to the, that would go to the County that would go from before the courts. So that would be adjudicated in the court system. So now, if somebody's, if somebody's violating noise after 10 o'clock, is that a POA policy? Is that just a good rule of thumb? What, what is that's, that? That's a County violation as well. So really? see there, right. That's a county county violation. So there, there's ordinances that the county has made just for the village as well. Okay. And then there's standard ordinances that apply in the county that we enforce as well. So the, uh, the uh, property ordinances were written for the village by the county. Uh, if you have property that uh, you, you leave refrigerators laying in the yard or you have trash laying in the yard, Okay, those can be enforced through the county uh, because we have special ordinances that were written for the village to be enforced by county code. Okay, so there's some things like that that a lot of folks may not be aware of that would go to the county courts. Okay, so I mean, you know, we're not, if we were a municipality, then we would handle that through our own municipal system. But since we're not, it goes through the county system. Okay, the city of Hot Springs, they have their own municipal ordinances for the, the county or the city violations. You know, parking, speeding, things like that can be a city violation or it can be a state violation, depending on which one they cite them with. So, I mean, we're a little bit different out here. Okay, so when we look at something, we have to determine is it a violation of a POA violation is it a, a rule and regulation violation fishing in the golf course ponds that is a poa violation it is not a state violation to fish in the ponds okay but you may be trespassing if you're not a property owner so if you if you're we could charge you that if you don't belong here and take you out and cite you with trespassing but it's a POA violation to fish in the golf course ponds because they say we don't cheat fishing in the ponds. So the POA would be the one to assess the fees and fines against that. But I heard they had really great catfish in those ponds, Ricky. Come on, man. Well, and that's right. But it's a <laughs> violation of their rules. Okay. So it would be up to them to assess any fines for that. So it's two, two different systems. And sometimes it's hard to, you know, for folks to understand the difference between the two systems. It sounds like you guys have to be part-time lawyers too. I mean, you've got to discern when you walk out there, you have to figure out what it is. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very difficult sometimes, you know, you have to really look at it and it, you know, it's splitting hairs, you know, you've got to really look at it to see which one it falls into. Yeah. And, and folks, most people, uh, a lot of people who come here come from municipal systems and they're not used to the POA rules and regulations. So they think it's all a, a municipal type system because that's what they're accustomed to. And, and that's not what we have here. You know, ours, ours is a POA rules and regulations system, or it's a county or state system. Mm. So that's the difference. What is your ideal candidate? And I asked to give our audience some sense of kind of your philosophy in law enforcement, as well as maybe to, uh, to help you get the word out to find an ideal candidate for these openings. How would and you I describe to know that? 
I wanted to know what your criteria was. You said you had like certain criteria that you wanted. If you feel like sharing those, I'd love to know that too. I was about to ask. Well, to be a police officer in Arkansas, you have to be 21 years of age. You have to be free of any, any felonies or uh, domestic uh, charges. Uh, uh, you have to have high school diploma. Uh, and, you know, here you have to have a, a heart to serve. I mean, being a police officer is a call. You're not going to make any money. I mean, you know, police officers don't make money. It's typically a low-paying job here in, in, in the South. But you have to have a willingness to get out here and and deal with the public. You you work some terrible shifts, you know, night shift, holidays, weekends. You know, who wants to give up their, their Christmas and Thanksgiving to come out here and work, you know? But that's what we do. Anytime you work a 24-7 job, you know, everybody we have works 4th of July, you know. And, and yeah, we get to see the fireworks show, but it's from a, a position in an intersection dodging cars, you know. Uh, it's not sitting down with their family, you know, spending time with their families. You're not doing a really good sales job, Ricky. <laughs> I know. And, and that's part of it. No, I know. That's part of it. Yeah. This you truth know. and advertising thing is not going to work out for you. Right. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's the, that's the truth and, and the, the fact in, in this job. I mean, it is. Well, and people and people, I appreciate you because people need to be aware of that. As I told you before, we hit the record button. I've been honored to serve a few a few chiefs uh, as as an executive coach. And, and it's, you know, you're one news cycle away from the sky falling. <laughs> And one social media post away from just all kinds of calamity right. and, and largely a very thankless job. But yeah, the, 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 my experience is exactly as a, as a person looking at the outside in absolutely a calling, absolutely, you know, driven to do it. But I mean, the, there, there are some enormous pluses the guys that I know, the guys and the gals that I know, I mean, they wouldn't do anything else. And that's it. It has to be your personality. I mean, all of us are type A personalities. You know, I could, I could sugarcoat it and get you hired on, but you're not going to stay, you know, uh, because when you find out what it's really about, you're going to leave. But it, you have to have that special personality. It has to be a calling. You have to love what you do or you're not going to do this job. And, and, and many guys get into it and, and stay for a while and decide, hey, this is not what I want. You know, I've been doing this 34 years. If I didn't love what I do, I, I wouldn't be here this long. So, I mean, it, you have to love love this type of work. Yeah, I mean, there's days that I think, you know, I ought to do something else. But then there's days when I wouldn't do anything else. I mean, it's 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 a calling. It really, does is. the community attract a certain kind of officer? If if it attracts a certain kind of officer that has experience, is there what what would that be? You know, uh, really for for this community, if we could find officers that retire at a young age who would like to come out and golf and still work, I think that would be a big attract attraction. You know, because uh, for guys who, say, from the Dallas area, from a, a large city, who, who make a good retirement, who would like to come out and, and slow the pace down, yeah. you know, but still work. And, and, you know, this would be their spending money. 
you know, right. not have to live on it. And the cost mm -hmm. of living here is much less than a lot of the, the larger municipalities. You know, I, I think we have a hidden gem here. If we could just get the, the word out to some of the larger cities, some of the larger agencies, you know, say, hey, guys, you know, you can come out of here, you can retire, you can play golf, you know, and still work a, a 40 hour week job, you know, and, and be part of the community, you know, and get a second retirement. Well, I'm going to throw out and I'll just use a first name, but Aaron, if you're listening, uh, I ran into a guy at the DeSoto club this last week, who was 48 retired from little rock police department and loves it here, loves it here. Uh, and you know, he would be a, a classic candidate for what you're talking about, but I was like 48 and retired. Well, obviously he started when he was very young and got in his 20, 25 years and, you know, called it a, called it a button, you know, uh, let me ask another question here, Ricky. And by the way, if you can, could you tip your screen down a little? Cause you're in the bottom there. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Now, what I was going to say is, is that, uh, I had heard just what I'd heard that a lot of times the, um, uh, the, the getting hired at the, at the village is a stepping stone for a lot of people who might want to go to a bigger place. I can also see that, you know, working in Dallas or, or Tulsa or Memphis and coming to hot Springs village, to me, this would be a breeze compared to working in a major city. I mean, a lot less stress, a lot less crime, a lot more, you know, more cat in the tree calls than gunshots fired. Well, and that's true, but there again, I mean, we still have the dangers here, and I hear that all the time. This is the village. Well, I mean, and we tell all of our guys on the Fourth of July, you're 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 going to take a cussing and you're going to get run over, you know. And and if you get hit by a fifty-five hundred-pound car, it's going it's going to be you know bad. Whether it's gunshot or a car running over you, it's going to be bad, you know. So you have to pay attention. You know, and, and when you're out there working the streets, uh, yeah. And now in the larger cities, it's it's every night here. It's not, you know, so it, it is somewhat safer here. Well, let's, let's, have to pay attention. Let's talk about the 4th of July. And in particular, let's talk about the gates. Okay. okay. A lot has been said. I, I personally think, I know you're not in charge of the gates anymore, but I personally think nobody has more insight into what really happens at the gates than possibly you do than you did at least are there is there as much tailgating as we think there is or is it as appears on social media is there i mean what's the real story here well there's a lot of uh, property owners who don't use their cards uh, there's a lot of vendors who their their gps's bring them to the gates i mean if there again i'm not in charge of the gates so i don't want to dive too deep into that uh, but I mean, use your cards. I mean, don't put your cards in your trunks or whatever. I mean, uh, but there again, that's, that's an issue that we could do a whole nother show. on. I mean, so I don't well, want to dive too deep into that. If you're available, we're available. We can make time for a, for a gate show. I promise. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, our, our crime stats are, are still low. I mean, so, but I mean, that's, that's a whole, whole nother issue. So but you're saying, and I, I didn't, maybe I didn't understand this. You're telling me that uh, many of the tailgaters or a significant portion of the tailgaters are people who own cards. They just don't think they need to use them. Well, that's true. I mean, a lot of the ones we find are property owners who have don't use their cards. 
a guest whose GPS bring them to the gates. Right. I mean, so, I mean, there's many, many scenarios. Some of them are people who are trying to slip in. So, I mean, there's many scenarios there. Uh, how do you as, a, as a licensed security manager for the state of Arkansas, who hangs a lot of video cameras, I would advise everybody who comes through the gates to look up and smile because you're on the cameras when you come through. Absolutely. We see you tailgate. We see you. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's astonishing to me that anyway, you're looking at the camera. Do you not think the camera's on? So there's well, that. And, you know, I just, I, I want to tell people though, don't try to take it into your own hands to stop folks from coming in. I mean, that's one of the worst things you can do because you never know who you're dealing with. I mean, with the road rage that's going on nowadays, I mean, you never know what that person just did. So, I mean, don't, don't get into it with them. It know? is not your job to stop right. the tailgaters, right? Right. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It is. It is. It really is. Well, let, let's go back. I want to go back to Mr. Middleton just became a dispatch and then he, a dispatcher. Then he went to the, um, to the Academy. I'm dying to know what the Academy is like in some ways, but how did we, how did we become police chief? How did we get there? Well, through years of uh, just keeping my head down, doing my job, showing up for work, getting my training, uh, you know, I was, I'm one of those guys where, you know, my when I started, first of all, as a kid, I never said I wanted to be a police officer. I mean, that, that was not my goal. And I hear that all the time. All these little kids say, I'm going to be a police officer. I wanted to be employed. You know, that that's, I wanted to, you know, provide steady paycheck. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, through the years, I just progressed and uh, got the training. And, you know, when the position come available, I said, uh, why not? You know, I'll give it a shot. And uh, six years later, you know, I'm still here. So uh, and it's, it's been a good ride. It really has. We've, we've done a lot of things. One of the biggest accomplishments is the uh, Citizens Police Academy. I was about to ask about that. That yeah. program has been a, a great program. Uh, people that's, that's one of the programs that I have that, uh, introduce, uh, uh, old residents, new residents to really what, what the inner workings are of, of the police department and, and other, uh, the coroner's office. I'm For those of us that don't know anything about that, Ricky, explain what that is. That is a program that I put on. It's an eight week program, one night a week, uh, I invite people out and usually I've had as many as 50 people come to this class and uh, for a couple hours a night, I, I talk about what we do in the administration of the police department, talk about the, the patrol division, talk about the criminal investigation division, let those guys come in and show them about fingerprinting and, and talk about what they do, uh, bring dispatch in, let them talk about what the dispatcher does the calls that they have, how the dispatch works, the 911 system. Uh, and, and then we bring in uh, the fire department, let the fire department talk about what they do, uh, the programs they run. I bring in the coroner's office. He talks about what the coroner does, if you have a death, what to expect, the, the steps to go through. Uh, so I try to bring in guest speakers, uh, Game and fish officers, uh, maybe the outside county agencies, uh, you know, just bring in different guest speakers to introduce them to what goes on in this community. Now, how frequently do you do this? 
I do it twice a year, <clears throat> usually in March and then again at the last of August. And then at the end of it, we have a Milo uh, training simulator, shooting simulator. And for those folks, a lot of folks may have never held a, a handgun. Uh, a lot of folks may not be familiar with what police officers go through. So I'll run some of these simulations and let them be a police officer for a few minutes. Let them make the decision, should it be a shoot or a no-shoot situation, and let them, you know, be that police officer and say, okay, you make that decision. You have a split second to determine what action should be taken. Is it humbling? Yes, it is. I bet. You know, and and I it, bet. It, it's amazing. Their, their, their heart rates, their heartbeat will go up, their adrenaline dumps. You know, it, it, it really, really is effective. It's a fake gun and a TV screen, and it still scares you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, how many people have how many people have gone through this? Uh, Any idea? I forget the numbers. Uh, this is the sixth year we've been doing it. Uh, there are at the end of it, they get a chance to uh, uh, join an alumni association. We don't receive grant money from any outside agencies. So the very first class, one of the uh, property owners said, how can we help you? Because you don't get any outside funds. How can we help you get uh, equipment and so forth? Uh, so they were able to uh, establish a 501c3 uh, group. So right now there's about 150 uh, members in this group who actually go out and raise funds and, and what's the name of the, what's the name of this group hot springs village citizens academy alumni association and uh, they accept donations and, and you can get your tax write-off and whatever if you donate and then they have they have donated uh over one hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of equipment to the department over the years and, and part of that's through the, they have a golf tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Each year we, uh, we've had uh, golf tournaments and, uh, they, they try to, uh, sponsor any officer who wants to play free of cost. Uh, and then this year, uh, I believe we had 160 players that play. I mean, so, I mean, it, it was great. I mean, it's really, really good tournament. I mean, if people, if people want to know more about that, do, do you know off the top of your head, how people could find out more? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Bruce Caverly, uh, uh, Ruth Caverly, uh, they're, they're big. Uh, I don't have the number with me. It's all right. We'll include it. So those of you that are listening or watching, uh, this, when it comes out, just go to our website to this episode and we'll put, we'll put links yeah, and, and phone and numbers. Also, they have a stuff. Facebook page as well. The Hot Springs Village Citizens Academy alumni Facebook page. There's Great. There. Yeah, we'll include we'll include all of that. Yeah, and uh, if somebody is interested in in joining the force, if somebody wants to learn more about the openings that you've got and and apply, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they can contact me. Uh, the, the village website, the village PO web, website. We have applications for the classes. You have to go through the class to become a member of the alumni. Uh, that you can uh, fill out an application and go through the class. Uh, and like I say, we take those applications all the time. But so. as far as officers, if you're looking for, for you looking to hire people, 
best way for that? I hire people, same thing. The, okay. The website, go on there and, and under the HR section that you apply uh, as per the police officer and fill out the application. Uh, and then we'll go through the applications and call them in and, and look at it. We'll include all of that too in the show notes. Go yeah. ahead, Dennis. And, well, I was just going to say for people that, that haven't interacted with the police department, this is not normal. It's not the reg. It's, this is not what you're going to see in a major city. 501-922-0011. Is that it, Ricky? 922-0011. That's our, yeah. our non-emergency uh, police department number. Exactly. And you think when you call the police department, you think, well, you know, it's got to be something important. It's got to be whatever. I was sitting at my office looking out over the lake and here comes a, um, a little paddle boat whizzing down the lake. And I know it's headed right toward the, the spillway. So I pick up the phone and call 922-0011. And I said, look, I'm, I'm going to get a, uh, I'm going to go retrieve a paddle boat. It's not mine. I'm not stealing it. But if anybody calls in and says they're missing a paddle boat, tell them to come to 32 Sierra driver, call me or whatever. And it wasn't just a matter of time until that somebody did all that said, it's calling that zero zero one one number is just it's common sense really and and it's just it's a friend you can talk to and say hey look this is happening what would I do and just like Ricky if if anybody called zero zero one one and said hey I just saw a, a tailgater the the advice on that phone would be do not pursue them right well, give us the license plate information give us the vehicle information and, and we'll send an officer to investigate you know. Uh, we, we answer our phones 24-7. You get a live person. Uh, just try to get us as much information as possible. We don't want you following the people. We don't want you chasing them down. Just provide us with the information, and we'll do what we can to, to check them out and see what's going on. Complete this sentence for me, Ricky. The number one thing I wish citizens inside the village would know is... Call us if they think... They need the police and call us as quickly as they can. Uh, we have people who call the day after and say, you know, I saw this and it looks suspicious. Mm. Well, if you call <clears throat> us 24 hours later, you know, that's 24 hours that's passed that we have to try to follow up on, you know, because we, we have people who said, you know, I saw this suspicious car yesterday at this house that's vacant. Well, that's 24 hours that's passed. If we had called us immediately, we might have, you know, got there within a few minutes and found out why this car was at a house that was vacant. You know, uh, we don't mind. We don't mind going and checking out and see what's going on, you know. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, while we're on the topic, Ricky, let's talk about welfare checks. Uh, okay. I, had, I had a friend, <laughs> we were on a cruise and I had a friend who was a real cut up, but he was a police I'm a fire uh, uh, fireman. And he came and knocked on our, our door and he said, welfare check. And I said, just slide it under the door like usual. And I, I, I was trying to be funny, but I didn't realize, you know, a welfare check to you guys is a checkup on people. How's somebody, you know, I hadn't heard from my granny in three days. Can, can you check up on her? Yeah, we do that all the time. Uh, thank goodness we have time that uh, if you haven't heard from a family member or friend or you make a phone call, you know, the, the phone service out here is not real good sometimes and phone lines don't work. And, and uh, we do get those calls. Hey, I haven't heard from my aunt in a few days and I she always answers, you know, 
And we go by and we knock on the door and, uh, you know, your niece is trying to call you and you just can't get a hold of you. Would you mind giving her a call? Not a problem. You know, and, but unfortunately, sometimes we go knock on the door and nobody answers and all the vehicles are there. And, you know, we peek through the windows and there's there's an issue, you know, and, uh, you know, we don't like those type calls. But unfortunately, we get those, you know, and uh, that's what the welfare check is all about. You know, checking up on the, the friends and neighbors to make sure there's not a problem. And then we don't mind doing that. We'll call the hospitals, you know, we'll do what we can to help you check up on your loved ones, you know, to make sure that everything's okay. And uh, we're glad to do that. Uh, we, we do vacation watches, you know, if you're going on vacation, fill out the little form online and we'll go by and check your house, check the windows, you know, check the doors, uh, make sure your house is secure. Uh, if you forgot and left your door unlocked, you know, we'll call you and if you want us to secure it, we will. And, you know, just call us when you get back. If not, you're going to be surprised when my officer knocks on your door, and, you know, you meet them, you know, so, but uh, we're glad that we can do that too. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of things that we do at this department that a lot of other departments do not do. And, and we're glad that we can do that for the folks. The resources so, that you've got or that you don't have, it, it educate me a bit in our, in our audience, where those resources, how they, how they get funded or how they don't get funded? Well, since we're private, everything that we, uh, we're funded by the property owner assessment. I mean, all of our budget is through the POA. So uh, we, we do not get any outside state, federal funding, everything that we have, all of our equipment, all of our, our wages, it all comes from the property owner dollar. So uh, we're, we're kind of limited in, in that because, you know, municipalities and uh, county departments, they, they qualify for all kinds of state and federal funding. We, we don't have that. So that kind of limits us in, in that aspect. Uh, uh, employees, you know, I'd love to have more officers, but unfortunately, you know, the budget just allows so many. Uh, so we understand that. We, we still have good response times. I mean, if you call us, usually seven, eight, nine minutes, we'll be there, you know. Uh, that's, that's good response time. Uh, so, I mean, we do okay. Uh, could we do better if we had more? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's we a lot of G it's a lot of geography for 21 folks to try to patrol. It is. And I that's mean, not 21 at a time. That's they're divided in shifts. So that's an yeah, awful I mean, lot of territory. We're working 24 seven. So you, you divide that up, you know, 470 yep. miles of roads and that's crooked, windy, you know, yeah. roads. That's, that's a lot of area to cover. Uh, you know, and then anytime you like make an arrest, we have to carry the, the prisoner to either Hot Springs or Benton. You know, that takes an uh, officer a couple of three hours, you know, to, to take care of that arrest. So he's out of service for a couple of three hours. So right. I mean, that well, could let, stand on your manpower as well. Let, let, let's talk about the, uh, the outside the village events. So um, I know that Village Hardware has had a couple of petty thefts and stuff like that. So that's technically in the county, but not in the village. At what point do we roll outside the village and help the county? And at what point, I mean, does the county come in and help us? Or I, I don't know how that works. Okay. We have a mutual aid agreement with both sheriffs that if we have manpower available when they call, we will go outside and assist. Them. So uh, if we're not busy and the call comes in at the village hardware, and we have guys available, we'll send them out there to assist them. Uh, and on the night of the 17th, we had three disturbances running at one time, didn't have enough people. We called the county, 
they uh, they called sent a state park ranger in, one of the county guys in. I mean, so they sent us help. So I mean, we work well with the outside agencies. Well, I mean, would you go all the way to say Jesseville, or I mean, oh, we'll go all the way to the Montgomery County line or Perry County line if we need to. That's what I I was about to ask because I was thinking, you know, like the national forest up there where it starts is real close to the Montgomery line. Oh yeah, like if if they need our help, we will go where we need to go if we have manpower available. So that's the key. Uh, If we don't, we just have to tell them, sorry, we don't have you know have the staff available to help you right now. Well, you know, which, by the way, is universally true of law enforcement, right? It's yes. just how you guys operate. Well, you have it. to. I mean, we're like a family. A family member calls and says, "I need help." We're going, you know. Yep. And the same thing's true with Game and Fish, Forest Service, and you know all the surrounding agencies. If we call, they're going to come help us if they can. Yeah, I, I never even thought about the park ranger, but that makes sense. It really does. Well, yeah, Randy, anybody within radio range is going to respond if they if we put out a call for help. Well, I'm going to ask two things. Number one, I'm going to ask uh, 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 Ricky about his sideline hobby that you probably don't know anything about, Randy. I'll throw this out. But if you'll prepare the questions. I'm ready. Oh, you're ready? Wow. Okay. Okay. Ricky, what kind of small engines do you like to work on? You know, Dennis, I am talented. I guess I can do just about anything, you know, <laughs> and, and that's, that's a gift as well. You know, I, I grew up, I work on all my own stuff and, you know, Dennis Simpson brought me some things that he thought he uh, was going to have to throw away at one time, and I was able to get them running for him. So, yes, I can work on weed eaters and lawnmowers. Or, you know, I'm pretty talented in that aspect. To me, I'm, I'm a techie, and they look broke to me. <laughs> apparently, apparently, they weren't broke to you. Yeah. So you're telling us you're a successful trash raider, I uh, bet. You know, I've been told I can take a pile of trash and make an airplane out of it. So I don't know. And I'm, I'm envious of guys like you. Cause I can take a pile of trash and just make it a bigger yeah. pile of trash. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ricky has, Ricky has given me advice before. If I'm at an estate sale, which we are known to frequent and you see a half running weed eater that looks like it has all its parts buy it and, yeah. and uh-huh. he will, he will fix it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I have that ability. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I can do that. And you obviously Ooh. like doing it. I do. That That's, that's my quiet time. That's, yeah. that's, stress that's your therapy. It is. It is. All right. Honey, are we ready for the lightning round, Dennis? Yeah, I think we're ready for the lightning round, but I, I can see Ricky now, honey, I, I've had a really stressful day. I'm going to go out and change some floats on the carburetor in this <laughs> little weed eater. Uh, yeah, anyway. well, I'd be ready for a shooting range if I had to do that <laughs> kind of stuff. All right, this is going to be this is going to be quick and easy and fun, Ricky. Okay. Hiking, boating, golf, or tennis? Boating. Hamburger or taco? Hamburger. Beaches or woods? Woods. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Extra. If you had a warning label, what would it say? Back off. <laughs> Don't I poke like the it. bear. <laughs> Favorite sport? Hunting. Appetizer or dessert? Dessert. And it would be? Ice cream. What's the most interesting thing you can see out your windows? And it could be windows at work or windows at home. The deer in my front yard. Ooh. Reading, watching, or listening? Watching. Sneakers, sandals, or hiking shoes? It'd be hiking shoes. Wash dishes, mow the lawn, or vacuum the house? Mow the lawn. 
Do you have a nickname? My uncle didn't give me a nickname when I was a kid. And it would be? It's Doings. Doings? He called me Ricky Doings. Okay. we got to hear the story. How'd, how'd that come to be? You have no always idea. always doing something. <laughs> <laughs> Your very first job. My very first check earning job was working for the DeSoto Club busing tables. Really? And what year would that be? Oh, my goodness. I was probably 13 years old, so it probably been 73, 74. Good Lord. Look at you. Yeah. yeah. Favorite movie? Hmm, boy, that one's tough because I have so many favorites, but I, I really love a good Western. I had a feeling you'd say that. True okay, grip. well, name a, name a few of them. Man, I love Gunsmoke. I can watch Gunsmoke, you know. Yeah. I, I can sit and watch it for hours. The good Mayberry of Westerns. The Mayberry yes, of absolutely. Westerns. Absolutely. Okay, if you were a superhero, what power would you have? It would have to be, I don't know, I think it would have to be strength. I mean, just, just rugged power. What would you sing at karaoke night, assuming you would sing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't carry tune in a bucket. You know, so. But if you could, what would you sing? Uh God bless America. Oh boy. Oh, look at it. him. Gonna yeah. go patriotic on us. Yeah. Favorite, mu favorite musician or band. Uh, are you much of a music guy? Yeah. You know, I like rock. I, I think I, I, I'm going to throw you a curve here. I'm going to go moody blues. Well, look at him. Yeah. All right. School. Very first concert that you ever went to. Uh, last question. Hard. Heart. Heart. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah. How, how old were you? Oh, my goodness. 16, 17. Used your money from bussing tables, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Heart. That's you excellent. You started when you were 13. Is that what I heard? Yeah. Yeah. We, we used the old punch uh, time card up there at the soda club. I mean, because your parents didn't want you in the pool hall, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was years and years ago. <laughs> I tell you what, Ricky, it has been a sincere and delight pleasure. Do me one. I have one more question. Okay. Will you come back on and be with us again? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Man, we would love it. I, you're a wealth of knowledge. I, I know we've even, we haven't even touched the top of the iceberg. Um, you know, in my mind, I'm hearing you tell the story and Randy, think of this. You and I drive around the village and go, yeah, there's that. And there's this, and there's that Rick must have to drive by and go. I remember when I dug that ditch and then we put this line up here and boy, that one was a real pain in the butt. And this, you know, do you see it that way? I, I, I have been all over this village. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's lots of history in this place. I mean, really is. Well, all the places I think are hidden. You probably don't think are that hidden. Claro, Razo, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I can remember when there was iron gate, you know, just past the Menorca Hill, you know, really, I, I, I actually, I worked for Cooper survey and helped survey for not a golf course. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I had no idea. And I tell you what, I've always wanted to know about that. I really do. So for our listeners and viewers, stay tuned. We'll have Mr. Ricky come back with us and we'll record more with him. But for now, I'm Dennis Simpson with Hot Springs Village Inside Out, and he is 
I'm Ricky Middleton. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Exactly. Well done. Well done. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.